1: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the San Francisco 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. This is our second episode since launching the podcast last week on the Blue Wire Network. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. I am joined today again by Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of the USA Today Sports Media Group, the content czar over there. Uh, Kyle, what is going on, man?
2: Oh, you know, just hanging out. It's We're recording this Christmas Eve, uh, so listeners, you're welcome for our dedication to this. And I'm sitting here drinking a coffee, going to wrap some Christmas presents and enjoy the holiday.
1: Yeah. Merry Christmas to all of the listeners. Happy Hanukkah for everybody who celebrated a little bit earlier this month. Uh, happy Kwanzaa to everyone who celebrates that, which which kicks off Wednesday. Uh, the 49ers... Coming off a 14-9 loss to the Chicago Bears, the playoff-bound Chicago Bears. We're going to talk about that game today, sort of what we liked, what we didn't like, big picture topics like, was it really a measuring stick or is it a game that isn't really going to mean much to the offseason and going into next year as this team really is all about 2019. So Kyle, watching that game, watching the Bears defense really kind of do its thing, maybe without all of the turnovers, although the, the Niners did have that interception uh, in that fourth quarter drive as they were trying to take the lead there. Well what did you what did you take away from the game and, and do you think that there were uh, this game provided measuring sticks for the 49ers that they can they can look at and say, hey, we, we competed with with a playoff team or is is the result from Sunday a, a much ado about nothing?
2: No, I think there's definitely things you can take away from it. And I think, at least offensively, it's so hard to to measure this 49ers offense because it's Nick Mullins under center. There's no Jarek McKinnon. Matt Breed has been banged up all year. Their receiving core is incomplete and inexperienced. So I think on that side of the ball, you've just got to be encouraged with kind of the process and and what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with, with kind of a patchwork uh, unit. On that side, they had the the one play to George Kittle, where uh, the the Bears defensive back who broke up the the pass. His name escapes me, but that could have been a touchdown. And Adrian and the, Amos, Adrian Amos, there you go. Uh, he he had a nice pass breakup, and then there was obviously the play at the end of the game where Nick Mullins on fourth and four opted not to run for a first down and and tried to heave one into the end zone, and that didn't work out. But they had opportunities, and I think that's really with this unit how it is the best you can ask for. And so on on the offensive side of the ball, I think you got to be at least a little bit encouraged by what you saw yesterday.
1: Yeah, Nick Mullins completed 22 of 38, 241 yards, no touchdowns. Obviously, the Niners were held outside of the end zone throughout the entire game. One interception, Mullins finished with a 65.8 passer rating. Uh, I think really sort of one of the keys for me that, that went a little bit under the radar was the Niners ran the ball just three times in the second half. And it wasn't like, you know, they were getting blown out and, and needed to eat up chunks of yardage to to get themselves back in the game. They really the Bears just just took away all the balance on on 49ers offense. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Matt Breida's injury. He, he twisted his ankle again and, and he's not going to play in, in week 17 because of it. Kyle Shanahan just said today we're recording this on a Monday, but the 49ers finished with just 47 yards rushing on 15 carries that's that's just over three yards a carry and this was an offense that ranked in the top 10 throughout the season in in rushing yards and and the bears kyle shanahan said you know the bears the way they were loading up the defensive front the fronts they were playing they tried to take away the running game which which really is sort of the engine for san francisco's offense because they love to run play action they love those outside zone play action fakes where they can get George Kittle or Kyle Juszczyk or Trent Taylor wide open in the flat. And because the running game wasn't working, obviously the play action wasn't working nearly as effectively. And the 49ers really threw all their eggs in the Nick Mullins basket, and it didn't totally work. I'm curious as to how much of that had to do with Matt Breida being hurt and Jeff Wilson Jr. Obviously he's had fumble problems, problems in in recent weeks i think he had three fumbles in in the previous three games so you know you look at it from that standpoint and say the 49ers were were undermanned in that sense they just didn't have uh the running backs that they typically have i mean jeff wilson jr is essentially you you know you can make the argument he's their fourth or fifth string running back behind Jarek mckinnon Burita, raheem mostert um and alfred morris obviously so The bears have a really good defense. I I, am with you. I I think it's, it's a positive in the sense that it was a close game. I I read Tim Kawakami's column today in the athletic and and he quoted Joe Staley. I talked to Staley in a separate scrum after this um, name drop, but um, (laughs) Staley basically told Tim that, you know, the, the bears players, told staley after the game that you know that you made this really hard on us this was this was a really tough game and it looked like a tough game and, and going into it i sort of expected a, a low scoring de- defensive struggle yeah. um, and i thought the 49ers were going to need something like they got last week against the seahawks and that kickoff return touchdown that was huge obviously in that overtime win um and they just didn't get it they they got turnovers but they couldn't convert them into points and they needed a, a real you know a game-changing play maybe like a pick six or another special teams touchdown, or something like that, but but they didn't get it, and and it was a competitive game. But ultimately, I think it went sort of how I expected.
2: Yeah, but you mentioned something there that that I wanted to get to was they had two t- takeaways yesterday. They had two others. They had two other near takeaways uh, where the runner was just down just before the ball came out, and then they had an interception by Kwan Williams that that was called back because of a, a holding penalty on Fred Warner. They could have had five takeaways yesterday after having none since week eight. And I think that was a big deal because you can see now that that the defense is, th- there was a focus on that yesterday. They, you saw Marcel Harris uh, getting after the football. Uh, you saw Tavarius Moore after getting beat by Allen Robinson, chasing him down and, and aiming to punch the ball out. It's something they were, they were trying to do yesterday. It, it looked like they were playing uh, at a, at a much different pace than they had in recent weeks. And <clears throat> I say in recent weeks and uh, over the course of the season, they've been, they've been playing better the last couple of weeks, but, um, I, I, I was really encouraged by what I saw defensively yesterday. I, I just offensively, it's hard to get a gauge because of all the injuries and, and defensively they've had problems on that front too. But the defense, I think yesterday was, was very, very encouraging.
1: Yeah. And the point you make about the takeaways, it's worth noting, you know, Traverius Moore, the rookie who's getting playing time because Akella Witherspoon is out for the season uh, with a leg injury. He was the one who popped the ball out with with a good punch play after getting beat by Allen Robinson on that slant, giving the 49ers a chance late in that fourth quarter, um, him forcing a fumble. Marcel Harris, it looked like he forced a fumble on Allen Robinson, whose knee was down a split second before yep. before Harris could, could yank that ball out. And then at, it was that same drive that the bears ended up scoring the go ahead touchdown in the third quarter that proved to be the decisive touchdown in the game um so yeah i'm with you the, if the niners get a few more breaks in that game that they create for themselves then maybe they do escape with the win and and i think that goes to show sort of the thin line between winning and losing in the nfl and and even though you know the bears are 11 and 4 and the niners are 4 and 11 any team on on the same playing field can need can beat anybody else in the NFL and and the talent gap isn't as wide as, as we like to talk about, um, when these teams are actually playing against each other. So the 49ers, I think they can look at this game and say, you know, this is a playoff team and, and the the bears, I mean, the, the bears are a playoff team. We hung tough with them and we're a few pieces away, namely getting our franchise quarterback back. Hmm. Um, and, you know, an edge rusher and, and these things uh, from from being as competitive as these teams. And, you know, the Bears had five and a half, five point four 5.4 yards per play, which is if you're if you're going into the game, obviously, 14 points is is where you want. If you're San, if, is where you want to be, if you're San Francisco's defense, but 5.4 yards per play is absolutely where you'd want to be. Um, so the yardage total is fine. Um, but really, you know, the Bears scored two touchdowns in their three red zone trips. The Niners went over three in the red zone. Um, the offense, the Niners' offense Converted 50% of their third downs Which is a pretty good number Against a really good Bears team Khalil Mack didn't have a sack Although he was impacting the game And, and uh, talked with George Kittle A little bit after the game Name drop And he said um, <laughs> He said, "Really, what what Khalil Mack did that impacted the game the most, from his perspective at least, was was just chipping George Kittle at the line of scrimmage and really being physical with him and screwing up all the timing on his routes. And while Khalil Mack, you know, might have not gotten any sacks, he still hit Nick Mullins three times, uh, including you know uh, forcing at least two incompletions by, by my memory. But but just you know thwarting George Kittle at the line of scrimmage and preventing him from from you know running free." in the, in the middle of the field, which is where, you know, that's his sweet spot. And really that's, that was the main strength of the 49ers offense these last few weeks coming into the game. Uh, that was obviously what the Broncos couldn't do two weeks ago. Uh, but Kittle still got his, he still had over 70 yards receiving. So the bears are just a better team. And, and I think yep. it's fair to say that uh, I, I don't, I, I'm not too discouraged if, if I'm a 49ers fan about this game just because the bears are better. Uh, they're a team that's gearing up for the playoffs. Niners are gearing up for, an, for another big offseason with, with a backup quarterback. So,
2: <laughs> uh, well, the, the one thing with, with the bears offense, they have so many weapons on that side of the ball. And I, <laughs> this is going to sound really dumb, but stay with me. I've had Tariq Cohen on my fantasy team all year, and he has been dynamite and the 49ers held him yesterday to 12 yards on six carries. And he caught uh one ball for seven yards. And their first turnover came when the Bears tried a weird like uh, option where where Mitchell Trubisky sprinted right. It wasn't there, so he tried to throw it back to to Cohen where the 49ers had defenders waiting, um, and then the ball hit the turf and, and the Niners recovered. But they did a really good job of not letting any one player really get loose. Um, Allen Robinson had six catches for 85 yards, but he had the big fumble at the end of the game. Uh, Ten different players caught passes for the Bears. But nobody really had a had a monster game. And I think that's that's a that's a big deal for the Niners because they they defended it. They defended the Bears' offense really well. And and this is an offense that we've seen can can really go off for some points. So uh just the last three weeks for the Niners defense against the Broncos and against the the Seahawks last week and then against the Bears, they've gotten some key stops when they've needed them, and that's something that they didn't get early in the year. Uh, so I really think that that the main takeaway from yesterday's game was was how well the defense played against an offense that can be really explosive.
1: Yeah, and I, I tweeted a thread about this. Um, it, it points to the, the point you just made is, is sort of backed up with with statistics. The Niners are tenth in the NFL now in, in opponents' yardage. They're allowing three hundred forty four point six yards per game, which is good. Um, but there's obviously a huge gap in where they're at yards wise versus scoring opponents are scoring 25.8 points per game that's 24th in the nfl so why is there such a huge gap well i mean the niners are 25th in opponents red zone scoring they're 20 20th in sacks with 37 and obviously the takeaways they have seven now on the year after getting two yesterday which is dead last in the league and i want to say the second to last team has 12 or 13 takeaways so almost double uh what the 49ers have so they're that far behind in, in takeaways and the 49ers offense has lost 28 turnovers, which is the third most in the NFL. Oh. So if if all of those things sort of normalize or if, or if the offense, presumably under Jimmy Garoppolo, doesn't turn the ball over as much, if they get a pass rusher to improve those sack numbers, that will also in turn, it should improve takeaway numbers. And then the red zone defense, I think just with experience and more talent overall, uh, should improve next year. And if you factor in just how, how you know, relatively stingy they are when it comes to yardage, then an optimist could say, you know, the Niners defense could actually be a strength of the team next year. And if Jimmy Garoppolo plays like the 49ers hope he's capable of playing or like he did during the five game winning Street 10 last season, then, you know, you might be cooking with gas and you might be looking at a team that could tend for a playoff spot or at least remain in the hunt until December which sort of has to be the goal going into next season. The Niners haven't been in the hunt in December since Jim Harbaugh's last year in 2014. It's been that right. long. Um, so I think, yeah, I, your point about the way the 49ers sort of limited what the Bears like to do, uh, at least in terms of yardage and, and scoring, um, that portends to, portends, that's a fancy word. That it's leads to a really to fancy, possibly- nice job. Yeah, thank you. That leads to possibly, you know, the Niners having uh, you know, going in the right direction defensively in 2019.
2: Yeah, and when when this is something that I I've I've seen people arguing about and and it gets talked about a lot with with the Niners draft pick, uh I I forget who I saw yesterday tweet that the Niners were trying too hard. And to me that's that's just not a bad thing. I know I know people want the draft pick, but it says a lot about this coaching staff and the direction this team's heading. And and you did a piece, a really good piece for the SACB earlier this year about the culture that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan want to build. And you can see in the effort these last three weeks and, and, and the end of last season where they won five in a row. And here they've won uh, three of their last seven. Right. Is that is that it? Yeah, I think it's three of their last seven and and they're two and two in December. And that just speaks volumes to me about about the coaching staff and and the fact that they have these guys ready, because if Kyle Shanahan was really going in going, hey, I hope we lose, I'm going to mail it in because we need this draft pick. The players know like the players know when a coaching staff is not trying. And that's a good way to lose a locker room. And the fact that they're not doing that is is perhaps the best sign of all uh, over the last you know, three or five weeks.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, we we've talked about it a lot, I feel like, or at least whether or not it's been on this podcast or just through our uh, Niners Wire, our former Niners Wire text chain, that tanking is just simply impossible to do if you're an NFL team like these guys have too much on the line. They have their own careers they have to worry about and they can't intentionally botch plays or not play hard. You know, they're risking injury. And all sorts of things, their future in the league, everything like that. What Kyle Shanahan can do is shut down, you know, some veteran players uh, and go with rookies, which he's been doing. Uh, I think the Niners right. have been very forward thinking in terms of how they're approaching the end of the season by giving Dante Pettis all those reps over Marquise Goodwin, uh, giving Elijah Lee all those reps at inside linebacker over Malcolm Smith, even Mark and playing Sam linebacker over Malcolm Smith. DJ Jones playing nose tackle instead of Earl Mitchell, who's, who was a healthy scratch on Sunday. Uh, the 49ers ha- have been eager to get those young guys in the game, and I think that's sort of the closest form to quote-unquote tanking you could really take um, late in the season just because it's impossible to do. You give your young guys a-, a chance to play. You know, These are guys who would get a lot of run in the preseason, and, and you were sort of treating these last few games like a, a preseason game but it means more than that because they're going to play an entire game. The other team has a lot on the line. The bears are obviously playing for seating. Um, So that's how the 49ers are approaching this. And they're hoping that these reps for all these young guys, uh, they can be used as a springboard into next season in a way that they didn't necessarily use, you know, late last year, that five game winning streak, I think with a lot of young guys, and this is a whole broader other topic. And I think we touched on it last week too. Just the fact that there wasn't a ton of competition four right. roster spots and starting spots in the offseason last year. And so many guys were feeling really good about that five game winning streak that there wasn't a ton of urgency all around the organization, really in the offseason last year and on the roster, particularly a bunch of the young guys just didn't, didn't show that urgency and it carried over into the season. And, and it showed when, when some of the young guys regressed. So, you know, I think that's, I asked Kyle Shanahan about it today on, on his conference call. Um, You know, and he he basically said, I can say, you know, Jim Harbaugh said, said this all the time, too. You're either getting better or worse. You're never staying the same. He said, I could say that till I'm blue in the face. But now the guys understand that it's more than me saying it. They really have to believe it Um, and they have to approach their day to day lives as football players with that mentality or else things are going to happen like that happened this season and guys are going to get worse and they're going to regress and they're you know, you could that's how that's how jobs are lost. That's how players get cut. Um, that's how new that's that's the reason why new players are brought in, whether it's a draft or free agency or whatever. So that's what I would expect the forty ers to to have in mind when they when they approach this off season.
2: Yeah, they're gonna have some some actual and we did touch on this last week, but there's gonna be actual bona fide competition next year. Uh, Jaquaski Tart, and Adrian Colbert are not the starting safeties going into next year. They could be. They, right. They right. They, they they're not uh, chiseled in as the starting safeties like they were this year. Uh, Marcel Harris has been has been really good. They might uh, they might attack one of those positions in the draft. Uh, DJ Reed's been excellent at, at at nickel corner, and then you have Tervarius Moore, who's been good the last couple weeks. Akella Witherspoon was improving before he got hurt. There's going to be a lot of competition in the secondary, and I think that's going to be really good uh, for them for them moving forward. But uh, we talked about this ad nauseum last week. The need for an edge rusher, I think, is really going to be uh, the primary focus uh, in the offseason in the draft.
1: All right, so what? So why don't we go through the offense real quick then, based on just sort of what we've seen the last few weeks from, from some of the young guys. Um, are there any spots offensively, that you think are up for grabs going, going into going into the off season, because I think they're much more set on offense than, than they are on defense.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think there might be room for some competition along the offensive line. Uh, It feels like in every game where they've faced a dominant interior rush this year, they've just kind of been, been manhandled. Uh, We saw it with the Packers. We saw it with, with the, the Rams at least once, maybe twice. We, we, we saw it yesterday with the bears, the, their the interior defensive line just got a ton of push. So I think we might see some, some competition there, but they, they also need help at receiver too. I think they're, I think they're at quarterback. They're obviously set. Uh, their, their running back group is going to be really good next year. Tight end. They're obviously fine, but at receiver, we might, we might see an entirely new set of receivers starting next year, depending on how they, they go after free agency. The draft. Yeah, I think
1: re- receiver is, is going to be really interesting to watch because you have Dante Pettis, who's been playing in Marquise Goodwin's X position. And, and one of the things that Kyle Shanahan really likes about Pettis and the reason why they traded up in the second round to draft him out of, out of Washington was the fact that he can play all three of the the receiver spots that the 49ers have in, in Shanahan's scheme. He can play the X, which is where he's playing now. He potentially could play the Z, which is Pierre Garçon's position. And, and we I think it's fair to say that Garcon's future is murky at best in terms of staying with the 49ers right. or not um and he can play in the slot where Trent Taylor hasn't had a particularly good season largely because of you know he had, he had an injury a back injury in the offseason that required a surgery I think it was in May um and he it really took more than half the season for him to fully recover from um so yeah I think the receiving core could look drastically different I don't know what options there are that they're going to look at seriously in free agency. I know we're going to dive into the draft here coming up over these next few months, but you know, is Marquise Goodwin, um, I, the, the, the Goodwin situation over these last few weeks has been interesting because he's been pretty much a non-factor. And I think some of that has to do with the overall youth movement of the, of the roster as a whole and the fact they want to give Pettis playing time. But, I mean, how comfortable can the 49ers feel with Marquise Goodwin penciled in as a starting receiver based on the season that he had this year? It wasn't it wasn't really close to the to the close, you know, the, the year he had last year when he almost had a thousand yards. This year has 23 catches, exactly half of his total or sorry, less than half of his total last year when he had 56. Um, he scored four touchdowns this year, including two in that Green Bay game on Monday night back in October. But. You know, last year, 56 catches, 962 yards. I mean, he was a big part of the offense last year and was a big part right. of the offense late in the season. And he's really been a non-factor uh, for most of this year. And I know he had the two-game absence a few weeks ago because he was dealing with family issues. Um, but, you know, are are the 49ers comfortable with Marquise Goodwin and, and giving him such an important responsibility within that offense to stretch the field? Because they don't have anybody else on the team right now that can replicate his speed. And his speed is really important because it helps balance things out. Particularly, you know, it prevents teams from loading up in the box and, and stopping the run, which is what the Bears did uh so successfully on Sunday. And and Goodwin really wasn't able to to prevent him from doing that.
2: Yeah. And I think with with their receiving core they're in a good spot, particularly with Goodwin, because he's really the only guy. And then Garcon who we've mentioned is a is a candidate to no longer be with the team next year. But say Garcon's not around. Goodwin's the only guy they're really pouring money into. And so if he winds up playing a smaller role because you have you have rookies or guys on rookie contracts who are who are taking the snaps over him, I don't think that's really the end of the world because he can still make an impact without being an every down player. Obviously you'd you'd like him to be, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. His impact was pretty minimal this year. And how much that had to do with with injury and you mentioned the the personal uh stuff he was going through uh perhaps that's what's been impacting his his
1: yeah no his question play. no question
2: but I mean next year you you have to you have to have him at least penciled in for a starting role and if he loses that role in camp then fine but he has to be I think penciled in as a starter next year but you 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 can't go into the year thinking you can rely on him for 16 games
1: yeah Goodwin signed a three-year 18 and a 18.85 million dollar extension last March. Um, the 49ers could get out from it with relatively little cap penalty. They could save uh, over two million if he's cut before June first. They could save three and a half million with just six hundred and twenty five thousand of, of dead money um, by cutting him with a post June first designation. So they did sort of give themselves an out. I do think the Niners fancy themselves as sort of, you know, a, a team a player friendly team. So yeah. I don't think they would they would do that to Goodwin, particularly given all the off the field stuff that he dealt with. I think they would give him another year to to see how well he could fit with Jimmy Garoppolo back under center. Um so let's go to the defense now. And, th- and this is a much more interesting conversation we can have because it seems to me there are way more spots up in the air, maybe aside from DeForest Buckner uh and and maybe DJ Jones at nose tackle that you know, they're they're and Richard Sherman obviously, there there are a lot of spots up for grabs. And I think I think if we go through it, you could find that, you know, maybe as many as seven or eight starting spots in the secondary or in on the defense, including in the secondary, could could look drastically different in twenty nineteen.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest deal for them this offseason, especially on defense, because like you said, there's I think eight is the right number. I think eight starting spots up for grabs. I think they just need to get players on that side and let it work itself out, right? They just need to get talent. Yeah. And if if, if that forces uh, Akello Witherspoon to step up and and hit a new level, or Tavarius Moore in his second year transitioning from safety to corner, if that forces him to step up, if you get the version of Adrian Colbert you got at the end of 2017 uh, to pair with with either Marcel Harris or Jaquaski Tart, whoever wins that battle in camp, I think that's a much better outcome than going... Um, you know, okay, we're going to pick 11 guys from, from whoever we had going into into the offseason. Uh, they, they, this talent, this roster is still so early in a rebuild. And I think some people uh, kind of forget that because they, they were idling so long with what they had. But this is, they're still in the early portion of a roster teardown and a rebuild. And when you're this early on, I don't think you can focus too heavily on a position. You just need talent. You just need players.
1: Yeah, I think all all four positions in the secondary outside of Richard Sherman's spot uh you they should bring in competition in addition to the guys they already have and I think you we saw with the Eagles last year when they were hit with injuries they had so much depth in their roster that they were, they were able to absorb those absences and still play at a really high level and the 49ers while they've dealt with a lot of injuries too they just don't have the depth so, mm-hmm. you know, I think you could look at inside linebacker where you could possibly bring in a high draft pick to compete with Elijah Lee, uh, you know, to play next to Fred Warner, who we should mention is, has definitely earned a starting spot for, over yeah, the long excellent. term. Um, I think, you know, Akella Witherspoon and Tervarius Moore, I think those are two players with a lot of upside, but I think the Niners would be smart to bring in maybe a veteran there or or a highly drafted player to push those guys. Uh, and improve just that position as a whole and you're going to need more depth because Richard Sherman's going to be getting up there in age one more year he'll be 31 in the spring um, and the safety spots like you mentioned I think Marcel Harris and Jaquaski Tart uh, should compete with each other for that strong safety spot and it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers brought in someone else to compete there too just to push both those guys and the 49ers could have the luxury of moving Tart to free safety where, where I thought he played pretty well early last year. uh, And in one game this year, I think it was the Seahawks game in Seattle. Um, You know, that was the first time he played there this year, but he, I think he could do it. And, and if the best combination, maybe is Marcel Harrison Tart at free safety, then that's not necessarily a bad thing for the 49ers either. Um, But they just need to have that flexibility and they need to build depth and competition. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, with the exception of those guys we mentioned, I'm telling the team nobody has a starting spot wrapped up. And last yep. year, like I said, it was it was only right guard that you know they went into training camp with any question marks, and and it didn't work out for them. Um, so yeah, more competition. That's sort of like that's sort of like us throwing a new 49ers podcast into the mix because there are a lot of 49ers podcasts out there, <laughs> and we are just about adding competition and trying to get everybody to elevate their game.
2: We are the Jaquaski Tart of 49ers podcasts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might quibble with that. No, can we but be the, the gonna, Marcel Tart? Can we be the Marcel Harris? More available we're not going to miss 13 games over two years.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Uh, that and that's I, I think that's where the the injuries this year as as bad as they've been I think they were pretty eye opening for the necessity for depth and the necessity to have multiple players at one position because too many good players is just not a problem especially if you're getting them through the draft where you have 4 to 5 years of of pretty cheap team control that's that's just not a bad thing and there was too much of a and we don't we obviously don't know what the front office was like but talking to to people on Twitter there was just too much and courses. I know Twitter's a really good, Sources. I know Twitter's a really good, uh, gauge of, you know, uh, society. Yeah. 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 And there was just, there was a lot of the sentiment that, oh, they're set at this position, this position in this position. And that just can't be the case. They, they won four games and I know they were injured and I know they were banged up, but they need depth. They need, they need help at too many spots to, to ignore, uh, any one position, I think.
1: They're set at Fred Warner's spot at Mike linebacker. They're set at three mm-hmm. technique with the Forrest Buckner and they're set at left cornerback with Richard Sherman and they could use infusion of talent everywhere else across the board with that. I think it's time we wrap this thing up. Uh, this is candlestick chronicles of the blue wire network. Please subscribe, rate and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Have a happy, happy set of holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh Kyle, thanks for joining me again. And uh I hope you and your family and friends and whoever you you bother with your presence uh, <laughs> has a has a good thanks, holiday man. this week, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Same to you. <laughs>